and religion, innocent or guilty. To the young, the old, the living, and the dead. To our brothers and sisters and all living things across Mother Earth, and her beauty we've destroyed and denied the honor that the Creator has given each individual. The truth that lies in our hearts, all my relations. are listening to KBOO Portland. One, two, three, four. Y'all ready for this? Ladies and gentlemen. Network. Up next on the program, we continue with part two of the National Black United Front's discussion titled Uprising 2020, Message from the Grassroots. The panelists are Richard Raw, Chairman Kofi Taharka, Alicia Miles, Will Bowles, Swatara Olushola, Victoria Mosby, Vincent Verdi, Kim Hewitt, and Rashad Shabazz, moderated by Jade Arendelle. Stay tuned. Next, I want to hear from our brother, Richard Wall, out of Garvey City. Um, what was it like out there, boots on the ground? Go ahead and unmute yourself, brother. Yes, yeah, so um, a to the whole panel. I give thanks to the Egungo and the, the Orishas and Ola Dumare for bringing us into this space and allowing us to share. Um, and I just want to invite the Egungo in and so they can guide us. Um, and they can keep a safe space um, and keep our heads focused. Um, in Garvey City, I, I think that, um, I say, I, say, oh, I think um, our situation was a lot different. And so I know that George Floyd was the rallying cry for many, but in our city, uh, we have our own um, George Floyds, as you say. And just today, they, they actually did a march today for a brother named Jeremy McDowell, who was uh, murdered by the Wilmington Police um, Force. Um, and that was a few years ago and we didn't get justice. The individuals are still on the force. And so our people really came out uh, and used uh, the George Floyd uh, as murder as a way to um, speak to some of those issues and bring up those issues again. And they were also upset. A lot of our young people are upset at the way law enforcement treats them. They're also upset about, you know, the, 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 the divide in the city, there's a racial divide in the city that is very, very clear, and they're clear on that. So um, the first protest uh, was organized by uh, two organizations, the Black Lives Matter Movement um, and Food Not Bombs, and they had something in the daytime, um, and it was, it was semi-peaceful, but uh, as it got into the later hours, it, it definitely wasn't a peaceful thing, and our young people came out and um, 
they took anything they wanted from any store they wanted, you know, and the police weren't prepared to deal with them. Um, as the police would converge on them on one street, they would go over to the next street and go in stores. So it was like chaos and confusion, but I noticed that the young people were very calculated in terms how they did it. And uh, law enforcement wasn't ready. And that taught me a lot about law enforcement not being prepared. So I, I know that if our young people were organized, uh, what we could really do, and I know. So um, that was the first, you know, big event that happened. Um, and from there, there's been a series of events that have occurred, series of um, protests and march, which I, I really wasn't necessarily trying to involve myself as a Pan-African. You know, we do work on a different level um, and we don't really involve ourselves in a lot of that. But what I noticed is uh, we aren't clear in terms of what we're up against. We're at war and we have to be clear that there's a war waged against us and we are on the battlefield on a constant basis. And so I kind of just uh, listened to some of the rhetoric that was out there um, and, and it just was painstaking. And I realized that myself not being involved is a part of the problem. And so I'm like the first that we have to have some conceptual clarity in terms of what we're looking at, what we're faced with, where we're trying to go with this. And um, that's why I initially involved myself. It, it, initially, I didn't involve myself at all. But when I seen some of the conversations that people were having, even with the administration, I just I just had to step out and speak up. And um, you know, racism and white supremacy. When you talk in terms of that, Nilly Fuller says, if you don't understand racism and white supremacy, what you won't understand. You're right. And everything else you think you understand will only confuse you. Right. So exactly. what I'm so I'm seeing confusion, and and I think we don't recognize that is fear of white genetic annihilation. Um, and that's that's the key. So I just wanted to provide some clarity in terms of the movement, you know, um, what we're up against and why we're being attacked. Why there's a racial divide? Why all of these things exist? And um, that was that's for me and, and our organization joining in um, and, and being active, you know, being speakers. And I'm an artist as well. So I've been speaking at these protests. I've been performing at these marches. Um, and being called upon, we have to be a voice of reason in this day and time. And so um, I, I think it was you know, beautiful what our young people did. Our young people are brilliant. They are our warriors. And we have a duty, a responsibility, an obligation to guide them properly. You know, we don't want to take away that warrior spirit, but you know, we just want to be more calculated and more organized. Also, I think another beautiful thing is I was approached by, um, you know, there's a, a black lawyer group here um, and they approached me uh, about doing some work. They've been coming out to the protest and they just wanna have a presence in case somebody gets arrested or the police are actually doing things that you know, aren't right legally and they wanna be a presence to address those things. So that's what's going on in Garvey City. Thank you so much, Brother Richard, and thank you for getting us grounded, you know, in the Ugungun, you know, and setting that tone for us. So thank you and Ashe to you. Next, I definitely want to hear from our sister, Satara, also out of Houston. Um, and then after that, we'll hear from our brother, Vincent, out of Brooklyn, New York. Okay, yeah, peace, everyone. Uh, so we heard quite a bit about Houston already. I won't necessarily go into my experiences uh, at the protest. A lot of people already touched on that, but I did want to respond to a couple of the things I heard already from some of the people in Houston and uh, some of the things that were stated. Uh, and one of the first things w was with Sister Kim. Um, thank you for sharing. That was very real. Um, and what it brought to my mind was the number of black men who have been publicly lynched or silently lynched for their relationship or alleged relationship with a white woman. And I thought about all of our ancestors that fell victim to the same type of situation. Uh, and so she brought up the internal violence that's still occurring in our community. And a lot of people have brought up that topic, you know, how can we say Black Lives Matter and there's black on black violence, you know, there's children being killed, the number of children that were killed in uh, Chicago and Atlanta just this month alone, uh, you know, gun violence, you name it, that we uh, perpetuate in our communities on each other. Well, I need my people to realize everybody that's within earshot of this panel is that the hood is a symptom. The ghetto is a side effect. It was created. Okay, there is a highly, highly organized group that has existed to oppress us. 
okay? And they control the media, they control what we hear, they control what we see, they control the narrative. And so, like I said, the hood is a symptom. The disease is white supremacy. And that's what we're dismantling. You cure the disease, you cure the symptom. Um, so we can't just focus on the hood being the hood and everything that entails, not saying we shouldn't address those issues and not saying they aren't being addressed because if you're within those circles, then you know who's fighting those issues and you can support them. So it's not that it's not happening. You may not be aware, but it is happening, but there's a much bigger issue, a larger issue that creates that symptom. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to touch on, and we can move to somebody else, I don't want to take up all the time unless you have another question for me, is that uh, during these uprisings, of course, for those of us who are out there on the front lines, we noticed a void in leadership. We noticed a void in organization. Uh, yes, we are in solidarity with the people on the street, period. Those who choose to go out there and fight against this infrastructure, we for it, period. We all on the same page. But what we cannot do is allow the uprisings to be defined by an individual instance. So the media kept pushing the George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd. And when you make the uprising just about George Floyd, just about that video, just about that situation, when the officers are arrested, people think we got justice, everybody go home. And it's a much bigger issue here. You know, we had our press conference in Buff right downtown in the belly of the beast, letting them know this is about having a community review board over the police with prosecutorial power. This is about reparations, okay? This is about oppression. This is about dismantling white supremacy. This, this, that's what this is about. It's not just about George Floyd. So whether you feel like people need to be out there or not for these individual instances, it's unimportant. It's not of importance. We are fighting to dismantle white supremacy in general. Yes. Thank you, Sister Swatara. And I did have a specific question for you. I know that um, you talked about some of the, the demands, or you mentioned, you know, before we started this, some of the demands being defund the police, uh, general equality, recognition, accountability, and transparency. Would you like to touch on a little bit about like the move to defund the police and like what that means to you? Ah, what it means to me? See, I, I don't I don't like to get into personal views with this shirt on okay, because or, it, or it the might not be uh, linear. But yeah, I got you. <laughs> I got you. Okay, so the police we know are just new age overseers. Okay, they already have a plan set in place that's been set in place since before the police was the police. Okay, once African people were free from chattel slavery, they still needed somebody to round them up to put them into their new form of slavery, which is the prison industrial complex. And many of us fell victim to the convict leasing system. So what they want to do, what they've been doing, what their plan is, whatever they want to see coming to fruition, they put money behind that. They put money behind that. So that's why you see these police budgets with billions and billions of dollars in their budgets. They don't want to see communities thrive. There are uh, uh, disparities in black communities for a reason. It didn't happen by mistake, it's by design. And that money is where? Where they need it to be. They don't want us thriving, they want us in prison. How do you get us in prison? You fund the people taking us there. <laughs> and it's really that simple. Uh, you know, so I would say the call for defunding the police, I'm, I'm leaving face value. I'm going to say that's a good call. I think those funds could be redistributed and used for something more productive. Thank you, Sister Swatara. And last but certainly not least, we have our brother Vincent. Verdre out of Brooklyn, New York, who describes his observations um, of these uprisings and his experiences on the ground uh, as militant. He described, he described what he saw as militant. So I want to hear about that. Welcome to the panel, brother. Okay, well, welcome to all and first in honor and to honor the spirit of Dr. Conrad Ruel, the December 12th movement since um, our heartfelt um, 
thoughts and to honor Dr. Conrad were well. Again, the observations from New York were that the protests were just a culmination of the continuing um, movement of our people because, as they said, this is nothing new. We've all seen this before. We've seen it with um, Rodney King. We've seen this with Eric Gardner. The list goes on and on. We can go back to either Eleanor Bumpers, Michael Stewart, Claude Reese, Arthur Miller, uh, Clifford Glover. So this is nothing new with the extra judiciary killing of black people that is state sponsored and state sanctioned. And the people have said that enough is enough. And the expression has been, we have to take it to the streets because that's the only way that the state will make any change. Because as I said, they have all types of mechanisms to quote unquote neutralize the um, will of the people unless they are in the streets. So what we see, we say straight ahead, we've got to stay in the streets because that's the only way that a change is going to happen. All of this stuff we see now is with all of these, um, as we say, quote unquote gestures from political operatives, the um, governors, uh, mayors saying that, you know, it's time to quote unquote, chill out or stop protesting. We say, no, we've got to stay in the streets because that's what has quote unquote led to even the arrest of the officers in Minnesota. Not quote unquote, a trial or a conviction, but just the arrest black people had to take to the streets because if not, things would have been going on as usual. And we say, the only way that we can quote unquote, make a change is to be in the streets because we've seen this before with the killings of our people from coast to coast. Only when black people stand up and demand justice and take it to the streets will we get any semblance of justice. But we've, it's gotta be a constant fight and a constant struggle, as we say, you've got to stay in the streets. And um, as we said, the protests in New York were all five boroughs. They were consistent. They were daily. They were going on in Manhattan. They were going on in Bronx, in Queens, in Brooklyn. They were going on every day, multi-generational. Some were multiracial. But we said, Black people, we have to take the lead because this is our fight, because it's happening to us. And we said, we can't, quote unquote, be distracted when they throw up things like the, the violence that happens between ourselves in our own communities. We can fight both fights at the same time. We can't be distracted when they, quote unquote, um, give up the sign or try to introduce, quote unquote, what about the violence within our communities? We say, no, the violence within our communities, we know the, the cause of that. It's the conditions that our people are subjugated to. As we said, crime is crime. We are no more violent than any other race. They never say white on white crime, but they try to raise this black on black crime whenever black people are in the streets. As it said, in the 1950s, they introduced that term to stop this quote unquote civil rights movement from gaining momentum. It was a term invented by white liberals to say that why should we give you civil rights or even human rights when there's trouble within your own community? And that had to be rejected. So we can't allow that to quote unquote distract us from the ultimate goal of liberation and self-determination for our people. So we say we've got to maintain this and keep in the streets, as we said, off of the sidewalks into the streets. That's how we are gonna get liberation and self-determination for our people. Thank you for that, Brother Vincent out of Brooklyn, December 12th movement. And um, thank you for hitting on that piece that, you know, when I asked, when I asked, what should we be doing moving forward? You know, as black people and as a community, you mentioned organizing for self-determination. 
I couldn't agree anymore. And I, I know that our brother Richard was clapping and, you know, definitely agreeing and resonating with what you said. So I want to turn it over to Brother Richard to have you add on to that because you're very, you know, spirited over there. Yeah, I mean, you know, he touched on a, a very interesting thing and that's movement capture and that's happened too many times. And so we have to be careful um, who is uh, aligning themselves with our efforts because we, we're doing a lot of work out here and we got to be careful that we don't allow others to capture our movement. I also think that we have to reclaim, um, you know, we have to reclaim language. You know, power is the ability to define reality and to have that reality accepted as if it were your own. So we have to uh, reframe the conversation uh, from Black Lives Matter and we have to, you know, use other terms that point to where we need to go. You know, and I've introduced uh, BLM as Black Liberation Movement because that encompasses all of the movements, whether it's the Moors, whether it's, you know, MBUF, whether it's the, the, the Nawapians, you know, we all are gonna have to eventually create, um, you know, a coalition and fight for the rights of our people. And our, our goal and our objective is African sovereignty, period, point blank. That's what we want. And we believe that Garvey had the greatest uh, comprehensive plan for allowing that to happen. So, you know, when the brother says uh, movement capture, he alluded to movement capture. And we have to be very careful. We see a lot of people that are joining in um, um, these movements and they have their own ulterior motives. So we have to be organized, as our brother would say, uh, uh, Kwame Ture says, organize, organize, organize. And we have to be organized when we come to these events. We have to have people who are watching, ensuring that um, you know everybody's safe. We have to have the nurses. Garvey had the Black Cross nurses. So we have to have the nurses out there. That's why I say Garvey had the greatest, the greatest comprehensive plan for our people. And I think we need to adopt that plan and use that moving forward. Correct, Thank Dennis. Yes, Brother Kofi. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's a great discussion by the panel. One point I wanted to make is that this global white supremacist racist system was shaken to the core yes. by the people being in the streets. Don't, don't get it right. twisted, right? Yes. They were shaken to the core by the people being in the streets and the consistency, the militancy, the no compromise, no sellout nature of it. These mayors in these cities, these police chiefs, these state officials, these national officials, we got to understand historically what we were watching. So the terminology is correct. Up, is this an uprising, a protest, a rebellion, a revolution? All of them got different definitions to them. But make no mistake about it, because of what the young people and whoever else has been in these streets on the consistency, they're shaking to the core as to whether this global white supremacist system, this capitalist system is teetering, we're gonna fall. Things that we, like it's like the Wizard of Oz, right? We thought they so powerful and everything. And then what we see family is major damage control with, with these people coming out talking about they in solidarity or they give a damn one way or another about what happened. Yeah, we got victims of racial terror and police brutality in every city, in every town. Some of them names that we don't know. You we know that. Time. We know that. We got to study, brothers and sisters. This is a good time to really study so we have clarity on what it is that we had were seeing and, and still are seeing. Because see, was, was, when we see some of the uh, younger brothers and sisters, many of them are fearless, man. They're going hard, man. They're going hard in the hoods on just regular stuff with these uh, particular police. So I just want to interject that into the discussion. Don't get fooled in no way. And I'm not saying anybody on the panel has been fooled, but we shouldn't get fooled about what we see when we when that police station went up in Minneapolis, that was a major major symbol of this white supremacist power structure, and it kind of reminds me. I'm gonna say this because you see, I'm getting fired up over here, right? I'm gonna say this is that that speech we were playing by Minister Malcolm. Read, listen to that speech. Listen to that speech because he's talking about 50 years ago, and he says in that speech. He said, he talking about the big six. And he said, look, the, the, these white folks try to control what was happening back then. And he said, he makes a statement, something like, 
He said, well, they came to him and said, well, look, they're getting out of hand. And, and he said these big six people, when he was talking uh, uh, practically, but also uh, uh, metaphorically said, well, boss, we can't, we can't, we can't stop it because we didn't start it. We can't control it because these Negroes out here doing things on their own. And that's what we seen in 2020. We seen people, we seen young people out there uh, 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 doing the best they can. And we salute that and understand what it, what it is. Understand what it is that we have seen. Because we don't know what's going to happen when the, when, the, when the next sister uh, 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 gets lynched. We don't know what's going to happen when the next brother gets, gets killed like that. So really, really, we need to study hard study hard on what has preceded this and then see what we're looking at in real time, in real Correct. time. And as Brother, Brother Malcolm Coates. said, history is best qualified to award our research. So we have to go back in history and see what transpired before us. And it, it will give us all the answers that we are seeking. It'll tell us what to do and to look at some of the mistakes that were made in the history so that we won't repeat those. But as Brother Kofi said, it's gotta be a scientific approach to what we're doing. Because as they said, they haven't had the system for over 400 years just because they, you know, um, just have it. They are very scientific. They stay up 24 hours a day thinking of how they're going to maintain this system. So we've got to be just as diligent in our fight for our freedom and self-determination and liberation of our people. So we've got to have a scientific analysis of what the state is in our relationship to it and how we can fight it. As I said, it's not just enough to be out in the streets. you got to know why you're in the streets, how to organize, how to get together with people in your hood to say, you know what? We don't need the quote unquote state police in our city. We can do as the brothers in the nation do. We can organize ourselves and patrol our own hoods to alleviate the crime that is manifesting in our neighborhoods. So we've got to thank be scientific so about this. Yes, thank you, Brother Vincent. And even more specifically, we must not fall for symbolic victories, right? Y'all already seen it. In D.C., they painted Black Lives Matter. The mayor of D.C., a black woman, black, uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser painted Black Lives Matter, you know, by the White House, all right? Other cities, Brooklyn, they did, uh, or, New or maybe Manhattan in front of um, Trump Plaza and those things. So people are celebrating these sorts of things, but I'm not really seeing the policies coming out to really back up the fact that black people are not going to be getting killed or lynched. You know, since these uprisings started, we had multiple black men and women, you know, including our late brother Rayshard Brooks out of Atlanta, you know, killed also on camera, you know, people were found hanging from trees and then absolutely nothing happening in one sense. But then in the other sense, you do definitely see the dismantling and the crumbling of the system of white supremacy through the taking down of some of these statues. So, which which are their, you know, their monuments because white supremacy is a religion unto itself. Like those things are crumbling and it's definitely doing something to the psyche, the very, very fragile psyche of, of those white supremacists. So we see, we see those things happening. We see um, some instances of law enforcement, you know, receiving charges for, you know, killing black folk um, and things that were kind of like swept under the rug or seemingly unheard of, you know, 50 years ago, even, you know, a year ago. So while it's important for us to notice these things, like as they're happening, we cannot get lazy, we cannot fall back and become, you know, satisfied with the the things or the, the small victories or the symbol, the symbolistic things that are happening, but we really have to stay out in these streets. We definitely do have to study and we have to keep, 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 keep pushing. Um, we're gonna end in about 15 minutes. So what I'm gonna do now is just do a quick lightning round and hear from everyone else one last time, give you the final word. Let us know again, your city and also how we can follow you and keep in touch with you. And I definitely wanna start that with our sister Kim out of Houston. And then we're gonna go to our brother Rashid. Okay, what, uh, what I want to come out of this 
I just don't want to be like you know, like you said, like someone just said, the small victories. Because like I want everybody to notice, like I'm telling everybody, they're not getting justice. They only getting um what I want to say, money for the families. I want to see justice, and I think I I think I see the same lawyer on Florida case too. I'm pointing that out to people, so I'm letting them know. Don't get it twisted, because they got their officers arrested because they just seen one shopping. So I just want um I want more to come out of it besides um get money for the families. Yeah, it's cool. They don't bring a life back, but it's it's cool to take care of the it's it gonna take care of the kids, but I want more than just a you know, just conviction. Um we got to unite as the people. Once we unite as the people, we powerful. They see they can throw a little money at us and we forget. I know I'm around my people every day, man. I'm watching it. I see it. Uh, it's sickening. I, I, I say something every day about it. So, and, and and whatever I can do on my end, just not for Floyd, just by me being in the community, I'm going to do it. And if you want to follow me, continue to see what I'm doing, you can go to Dedrick Forever. I, that's, that's, my, that's my private page. That's what I do with the community. And please follow this so y'all can continue to see what I'm trying to do for the community. And cause that's where I'm at. Like I, I, I got to stand up because, like every, it's got to be somebody in each community, like each ghetto, each everywhere. Because a lot of people have been coming down even by the, the wall for Floyd. I've been keeping up touch with because I want to keep in touch with everybody around the world because we got to heal as one around the world as black people. You know, I even have to say something to the people when they even walk in the community, and I watch them walk right past us and don't speak. And I'd be like, and it's the white people, and I'm gonna be honest with you. And I'd be like, how y'all doing? And they'd be like, oh, okay, how you doing? They're not gonna walk in the house of Floyd just to take a picture, but don't even speak to none of the people up under the tree. This is who he was. How can you walk past who he was? How can you get to know him when you walk, when you just walk past who he was? And everybody be glad I say something, cause they don't say nothing, they just whisper. I'm not gonna let it happen. You're not gonna come in the community, don't speak, don't do this, and not really fuzz. You really for the money. And what can better y'all said because I see I see the whole while when, when they murdered. Like we they, they just walking past, don't even speak. One lady, she just brought her kids from from Saint from Saint Louis, and I took a picture with them. And the baby was like, the best experience was meeting me because I was, I was I explained to him who Floyd was, and I told him I said, y'all the only person got out y'all car, looked over there and spoke to us. She like for real. I said yes. So I took a picture of them. They took a picture about this. It's a little um. It's a little message up there for for the black man, black uh, black species of black man, dank man, the black species. And they took a picture of it. And I noticed that that little message right there on the wall. A lot of black people come take a picture of it. even the young men. And I keep the young men taking a picture of it. And that's who I mostly talk to anyway. To be honest with you, is the young men. I talk to the young girls too. But I do, I do mostly talk to the young men because I'm tomboy. I like hanging around the boys. So, and I get their attention. So, if I can get their attention, that means a lot to me because I lost my son out there in the streets, not to to that, but to gun violence. And so that what makes me stand up because the same ones that's packing the guns, I'm around every day. I don't want the people in my community to forget because if they forget, we're not we're not gonna get. I guess they say justice, but I don't really see justice. I really just see them slapping them on the wrist, to be honest with you. I, 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 I'm paying attention to it because they throwing the money out. They making people forget. Right. Yeah. And Thank they, you so much you know, for you sharing that with us. You got to protect the people. You don't want to see nobody getting hurt. Right. Thank you so much. And we'll definitely make sure that we put your um, information in so people can know where to follow you. Thank you so much. I want to uh, turn it over just really quickly because we're running short on time, about two minutes uh, per closeout. Uh, next is Brother Rashid. Then we're going to hit Sister Victoria. Then we're going to go to Brother Will, Sister Alicia, um, Brother Vincent, and then Brother Richard. And then Sister Swatara will close us out. Thank you a lot. Uh, thank you all for the opportunity uh, to speak. You know, I'll just say quickly, uh, I saw somebody put it in the chat, join an organization if you're not in one. And I think for those that are watching um, from the sidelines, you know, find ways to 
connect with people, align where there is alignment and when it ain't, you know, heightening the contradictions. If people were talking about, you know, some, some stuff that's anti-African, you know, call people in and, and, and help build with them. And for those who have access to these young people with this boundless energy, you know, we have to find ways to uh, help them uh, utilize that energy with a, uh, with a greater analysis. And so, you know, don't, don't suppress young people, um, but help them build so they can use that energy strategically. With, with this moving forward, um, I think the main thing is to stay focused on what needs to be done. Um, it's been difficult with seeing a lot of white people um, say things that they wouldn't say to somebody's face that they are now saying to people's face. They've been very bold with what they have been saying and I'm not going to lie, it has gotten to me um, for a second, but then I just had to regroup, you know, it's for a much bigger cause to stop this, and it just makes me want to be more a part and be more a part of those organized groups, um, even if it's not up front in the, on the battle line like I was before, I want to find other ways to um, make a change, make a difference for our people. Um, I don't really have too much going on with social media, um, but you guys can add me on Facebook, um, Victoria Monet, it's M-O-N-E. Um, but yeah, it's been an honor being a part of this, so, uh, it, I definitely do want to be more a part, um, of everything that's going on, and I really like that, um, brother I'm not sure of his name sorry but he said that he doesn't see it as a Black Lives Matter but a Black Liberation Movement and I like that a lot thank you so much Sister Victoria for your time and you know all your hard work as well so thank you next we're going to hear from my brother Will out of Kansas City yes can you hear me sir okay I'd like to thank everyone for uh for allowing me this opportunity to speak uh, and you can follow us at you go to facebook and type in uh, kc black united front uh, it will pop up top of there and follow us there i did want to touch a couple things out of uh, our victories that we had we actually uh, joined a coalition that called for the firing of that police chief that that directed the use of, uh, of chemical weapons due to since 2017 that's what he's uh, you know he's had a track record of that and so we joined other groups that are that now have serious pressure to uh, fire this police chief as well as the ousting of the district attorney who's backed him up in all of his uh, cases uh, now I also would like to touch on a lot of things our brothers already did. I mean, we must recognize that this is a rebellion, you know, and it's no different than any other war front. So uh, when we're when we're descriptive or when we're judging these uh, actions of all our people, we must understand that all elements of war have boots on the ground, a physical element in the streets that's within our community response teams and our people that are in the physical realm, the physical element. Next, you have a, an element of intel. So we stay privy to the information and stay current upon these things because we know that social engineering that our other sisters already touched on is strong and, it, and it's vibrant. There's an element of your sergeants in general who make the long-standing strategy that will formulate our liberation and our true independence. Okay, these strategies are crucial. We must hold these as our hearts. And these new organizations and new people that come in, we can't be frivolous with our strategies and ideas with them. We must cross-reference them with the people in the grassroots organizations in which we're familiar to then uh, align with these outside organizations, whereas we must initially align with our core grassroots communities that have been there for years before to stand for every injustice as we have. And so that's 
the element of your sergeants and generals, that all war has political implications. So we can't forget that these ordinances that, has, that come out of this, we must, within this war front, have our people together so that we can call for ordinances that, uh, that defund or that minimalize the funding for police and actually do the things which we need to do. Thank you much, so much, Brother Will, out of KC. Um, Sister Alicia, um, any final words and how can we follow you and your organization and the great work that you're doing out in the community? Um, yes, absolutely. I think um, I'd like to kind of, I guess, close out with um, a thought and a question, something for all the panelists and all the attendees to consider. Um, we, we talked a lot about joining together and understanding like everybody should have an understanding that this movement is a body, right? And this body has many, many, many parts. And each part, just like Brother Will just said, each part has its own very, very, very important portion and part to play in moving the body forward. Now, what I would like to, what I would like to ask you to consider each and every person here, we've heard um, organized, we've heard um, study the history, we've heard um, understand um, how to connect all the pieces we've heard, join and create a coalition and work together. One thing I'm going to ask, because in the in in inside the movement, and when when you have a personality or an ability to fill a hole, each and every pe one of these pieces that we're talking about that we need to work on, we need to have a a, a, a go bag version of that, right? Like I'm an organizer, I can organize at the drop of a hat. So if the kids hit the street tomorrow, I'm on the street and I'm organizing there. I'm not saying, hold up, hold up, hold up, let's organize. We need to make sure that everything we have, everything we hold important to this movement, we're able to do it on the go, on the spot, at the drop of a hat. Because when, when things start moving, we don't have time to regroup. There's no time to regroup. So we need to make sure right now that we, we are having cohorts like this and we're preparing things so that when it's time to move, everybody's ready to go and we're organized. But if we can't do that, if we can't be prepared at the drop of a hat to put all of these pieces into place, we're gonna forever be having conversations about what we need to do, what we need to do, how we need to prepare. We're gonna prepare forever. Once we get all these thoughts and ideas, be ready to boil them down to something we can put in a one page letter and pass out to volunteers. This is your group, this is what y'all do, let's go. You know, and I think if we can't, if we can't do that, then this army, like Will said, we, we're gonna be standing in one spot, defending at all times. We're never going to advance. And in order for us to win, we have to advance. We're not gonna advance if we can't do that. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, very, very helpful. Thank you so much for all that you do, Sister Alicia. Now we're gonna hear from Brother Vincent, then Brother Richard, and then our Sister Slatara is gonna close us out. We have a couple of minutes each. Again, for us, we just say black people to stay in the streets, stay organized, and continue to fight. And in that regard, on August the 15th, in honor and to carry on the work of late brother Dr. Conrad Rowell, we're having a national day for reparations in New York City at Trump International Hotel, a few blocks from, quote unquote, Columbus Circle. As we said, we're going to carry on the work of Conrad Worrell and the December 12th movement and call for, again, a national day of, liber of reparations in honor of the Durban 400, which occurred in 2001. So we want our people to get that information. They can get the information at d12m.com. Again, that's d12m.com, or you can reach us at 718-398. 1766. Again, we say just stay in the streets, stay focused, and continue to fight. And as we said, um, dare to struggle, dare to win. And we can win this, and as we say, freedom or death. Thank you. Straight ahead, Brother Vincent. All right, Brother Richard? It was a blessing um, being on here. Give thanks to the ancestors. Um, I would say, um, the greatest thing that you bring to the organizing body is your character. Uh, so in, ensure that your, your character is reoriented. Um, and the next thing I want to say is, you know, symbolic, I want to just, just speak to the symbolic gestures. And so um, I recognize that some people are content with just symbolic gestures alone. 
um, I'm gonna tell you one of the things that we've done because the ideal of symbolic gestures is low hanging fruit. And I always say, whether it's low hanging fruit, high hanging fruit, whatever we, we, whatever we deserve, we want. Um, and so as opposed to just uh, sprinkling Black Lives Matter on the street, uh, what we've done is we, we've talked to the administration. We went to our uh, uh, city council president and mayor and we just had a conversation. And so I, I said, let's take this as an opportunity um, collectively, let's fly the RBG flag, which they've never done. So I feel like now it's the 100 year anniversary of the flying of the RBG flag. So what we got them to do is actually purchase that from uh, black people, you know, who make this and, and to give some business to our people. And now we're gonna have a huge uh, big ceremony of flying the RBG flag, because I do believe that symbols, uh, we have to be symbol literate, right? So we can't throw everything away. We have to be symbol literate and recognize um, what this does to communicate to um, our being um, so that's just one of the things that we did along with, we have a whole laundry list of items because we're at the table. So we use the Black Lives Matter energy uh, to get there at the table. And now that we're at the table, we're just trying to bring some, um, some actionable items in one. Yeah, of course they want symbolic gestures, but if it's gonna be a symbolic gesture, how about an RBG flag flying, you know, that they purchased and put up. So I think that's just one of the things um, for me, um, just, you know, continuing to build coalitions. We did this by way of a coalition. So we didn't go in there as one organization. We went there, we, we built a, a great coalition of young people um, and we went to the to administration at like that. And that is what um, drew them to action. Um, and so now we're working on some things in housing, we're working on some things um, in the field of entrepreneurship um, and, and black owned businesses and whatnot. So we just have a great opportunity. Let's, let's use this energy um, and, and, and get the type of things that we need for our people. Um, I'm Richard Raw, you can check me at richardraw.com. Um, I'm a musician, I'm an artist. So I produce this RBG music. Uh, so check me out richardraw.com and on my um, site. I mean, I, I release music constantly because you know uh, I'm into the propaganda. Uh, Garvey said we have to have a propaganda campaign and that's what my music is designed to do. Beautiful, thank you, thank you so much, Brother Richard. And we have our sister out of Houston, um, Sister Swatara, also yes, the yes. new Vice Chair of International Affairs with Inva. Really excited to, to work with you. Um, and what are your final words? And if you could close this out with a positive affirmation, since you know we heard from Brother Malcolm in the beginning, we wanna put that divine feminine energy in the cipher as well to close the loop right just like we do every meeting i got you <laughs> uh so anybody who knows me knows i don't like to have a meeting or do a panel or any of this without concrete action items to walk away with so uh take initiative take initiative i like the word that alicia used earlier activated so you know our children are out here these young people are out here many of them are out here like victoria for the first time and something has been activated within her and she might not necessarily know what to do with it and other young people might not necessarily know what to do with it and of course i have a gamut of suggestions and things that could be done uh, but i'll just go with the community control security approach that's something that can be implemented if you just start on your block if you just start in your neighborhood organizing people to secure your neighborhood or just your block, putting a small schedule together. You know, who can walk around? Who can be neighborhood watch? Maybe we could get some t-shirts or, or something like that. It, it doesn't matter where you start as long as you start. Uh, so, and you can also uh, research enforcement agencies in whichever state you're in. I've done a research for Texas, so I can speak for Texas. There's about 450 different enforcement agencies outside of HPD. So throughout the whole state of Texas. And many people may not know that if you put together a community control enforcement agency that has the capacity to respond to emergencies, then 911, your local precinct will direct 911 calls to you. So imagine your entity getting that call as opposed to HPD that has a track record for killing black and brown people and not uh, being transparent or being held accountable. That call could have went to you. That could have just been a mental health call. We have somebody on our community squad that is a psychiatrist, psychologist with an African perspective who could respond to this 
in a holistic manner, as opposed to an armed officer coming, you know, ignorant guns a blazing. So that's just something to consider and think about. Uh, also, when I went to the 60,000 plus person protest, I didn't really talk to the people. I was there again, like we said, with the young people. My little sister wanted to go and I wanted to make sure she knew when it was time to move, you know, cut through here, cut through there. But I did talk to officers and I asked them, especially black ones, you know, how much they paying you, straight up. Like, how much they paying you? How much you make an hour? Do you get benefits? How much are you being paid to enforce racist laws? How much are you being paid to help your oppressor? How much does it cost for this? Are you doing this because you want to or because you feel like you have to to feed your family? And I found out that many of them aren't making that much money. They're getting $20 an hour, some of them less than that. Benefits only for themselves, not even benefits for their families as well. I'm like, with a small amount of organization, your community could provide that salary for you. And we can create our own policies and get rid of the cops, period, in our spaces and control them. And then the last thing was total self-sufficiency and self-determination and being practical with that. All of us on this call, all of us who can hear the words that I'm saying should be growing food. I don't care if it's herbs on your kitchen counter. We should be in the habit of growing food. We should be in the habit of controlling our basic necessities, food, clothes, and shelter. I don't care what your religion is or what part of the movement you find yourself. We all desire food, clothing, and shelter. So those are three things that we should get into the habit of controlling. And it's easier to do that when we come together, okay? It's easier uh, to take care of those different basic necessities when we do it as a group. But the first thing you have to do is start. And the last thing, like you said, inspirational closing words, our queen mother who made her transition, long time member of the National Black United Front, Queen Mother Elder Denver, her words are on my heart. We are phenomenal people. We are a phenomenal people. We are a phenomenal people. And we are. Otherwise, why would, why would white people go through all the trouble to oppress us? It's something about us that they know that they don't want us to know about ourselves. Look at all that we accomplish in an oppressed state. All that we accomplish in an oppressed state. So I'm looking forward to see all that we manifest as a liberated people. Well, thank you so much, Sister Sotara. Um, before we close out of this beautiful panel, I want to say thank you all so much for your time, for your energy, for all of your community. And again, you've been listening to the National Black United Front's discussion titled Uprising 2020, message from the grassroots. The panelists were Richard Raw, Chairman Kofi Taharka, Alicia Miles, Will Bowles, Swatara Olushola, Victoria Mosby, Vincent Verdi, Kim Hewitt, and Rashad Shabazz, moderated by Jade Arendelle. Again, this is Hard Knock. We'll check you out tomorrow, folks. Stay focused. Every set, every hood, barrio to barrio. Y'all stand up, stay righteous. Speaking to the thugs, one love. We know where y'all at. Top round buffalo. It's a hard knock life, gotta pay your bills. They want a song about bling, but it ain't real. Uh, we speak to the kids and the OGs. Organize, mobilize, be the change you wanna see. 415 bumping hard knock radio. Brown buffalo, all up in your stereo. Yo, and to the youth, live life like it's golden. Go dumb, go hard, but don't forget where you're going. We from the hood, so it's all to the good. Let us know this, what you're feeling is right. Let's get this understood. It's only one reason why we here today. We trying to make real music so the people can relate. Learning from this hard knock, slipping in these hard knocks, listening to hard knocks, questioning the hard knocks. Learning through these hard knocks, living for this hip hop, listening to hard knocks, ripping to the hard stop. Learning from the hard knocks, living in these hard Listening to all night, pushing in the park, learning through these all night, living for this hip hop.
zone. Hard knock radio, let's go. Big shout out to Davy D. Yeah, right, feel me. Yeah. On and down at Hard Knock Radio. Kind of crazy though. Uh, Oakland, stand up. Yeah. Ensemble Big Night Wolves. Yeah.
You are listening to KBOO Portland. This is Norman Sylvester, the Boogie Cat. I've been a member of KBOO since 1987. I really appreciate their support of the multicultural community in Portland, Oregon. Local music, 